and welcome to Conversations and Connections. This is the official podcast of the Family Crisis Center of East Texas. And again, I'm Stuart Burson, the Prevention Coordinator for the agency. I'm glad you could join us today. Um, probably going to be talking about some he- a heavy, a heavy topic today. Uh, I have with me Kim Riddle, who is our SANE nurse examiner. Did I get that right, Kim? Yes. Okay. Uh, now, Kim has uh, the big responsibility of performing exams on uh, survivors of sexual assault. And so we're going to kind of talk about that uh, a little today. So I may want to preface this by saying that... Um, we may be talking about some stuff that's really uh, that's really heavy and of maybe a possibly mature content, so just kind of keep that in mind um, as we go as we go about um, the show today. Well, Kim, first of all, I appreciate you doing this for me. Thank you so much. Well, thank you, Stuart, for having me. So, okay, so your title is Sane Nurse Examiner. Tell us first, I guess. What does what does SANE stand for? Obviously, that's an acronym. What does that mean? SANE stands for Sexual Assault Nurse Examiner. Um, and so, yes, that is one of the roles that I have um, for the Family Crisis Center. Okay. So I guess we'll just kind of start very broad and kind of narrow things down a little bit. So first, just kind of tell me a little bit about your job and, and exactly what is it that... You do, and we'll go from there. Okay. Well, that is a big question. So oh, you uh, took it. You took a big deep <laughs> breath. So, yeah. uh oh. Okay. So I am the SANE coordinator, which is the director of the sexual assault nurse examiner program for Family Crisis Center and Harold's House. The two agencies are separate, but work together to bring this program um, to our area, and that role includes many administrative duties, including scheduling, ordering supplies, billing, all the not fun stuff, um, and also peer reviews and staff trainings and staying up with any changes to the laws that pertain to the patients that we see. Um, And also, as Stuart mentioned, I am a SANE nurse. I am certified through the state and also internationally for pediatrics and adults. And... um, as a SANE nurse, I am the only one during the day from 6A to 6P, Monday through Friday, for three counties, Angelina, Nacogdoches, and Sabine. So wherever something may happen, you have to, do they come to they here or do they, me. do you get, you go to wherever <laughs> yes. they may be? We, we have two locations. Um, so we have a, a SANE suite in Harold's House in Lufkin. And we also have a same suite at the Herald's House in Nacogdoches. And for someone who just may not know, what is Herald's House? Herald's House is our local child advocacy center, and they provide services to children who are victims of sexual assault, physical abuse, and maybe witnesses to a crime. So you do the same thing for Herald's House as you would for us. Then. Absolutely. You do, the, you do the exams. Okay, I didn't yes. mean to interrupt you, but I just want to make sure everybody knew uh, what Herald's House was. So. Yes. Continue. Um, and also for the uh, same nurse duties, if we have a victim of child abuse or domestic violence with strangulation and they need uh, assessment or documentation of those injuries, I will see them as well. Um, 
I do serve also as an expert with Texas A&M University in Bryan, Texas, where we um, train new saints to help us throughout the state of Texas. We do have three other nurses who work with me. They help to cover night call and weekends, and that is Norma, Veronica, Jackie, and we also have Kim that's in training. And another area of my job includes uh, medical advocacy, and this is strictly for Family Crisis Center. This is where I work with victims of sexual assault and domestic violence who may be displaced and need um, some assistance with their health care needs. I do work with area agencies such as the Angelina County and Cities Health District to provide those health care needs and to help the patient navigate the system. Many times they will come and they maybe had to leave um, quickly. Okay. Sure. And they are missing um, medications or um, medical equipment that they need in order to be healthy. And so I will help them um, find ways to get those resources. Okay. Okay. So the SAINT exams, do they take place? I know you said at Harold's house there's a suite there, I guess, where you can do the exam. Uh, if it's an adult uh, survivor, do you do your exam? Is it at the hospital? Or do you? Is there some place within the agency that they go? Where Where does the exam take place? That's a good question. Every area kind of has their own system set up. Many are within the hospital systems, and ours used to be. But in 2012, the hospitals were unable to maintain their same program and had elected to kind of let that go. And Harold's House and Family Crisis Center stepped in and um, are working together to make sure that we're able to still offer those services to survivors. And so even if we have a victim who presents to the emergency room, they will um, contact law enforcement or contact the agency, the hotline, and um, we will actually perform those exams at one of the two Harold's House locations. So when you get the call to do an exam, is it law enforcement that calls you? Is it the uh, medical staff that call you? How do you get word that there's an exam that needs to happen? Well, we kind of get those in different ways. Okay. We hope that everyone sure. calls the hotline um, that is maintained here at Family Crisis Center. And after hours, typically that is, that is uh -huh. how we get word. Um, sometimes they do call us directly at Harold's house, even if it is for an adult survivor. So it may be the medical staff in the emergency room who calls us. Okay. It may be law enforcement who calls us. So it could be, it could be anybody right, really anybody. like that. Um, typically we do not have, um, the victim contact us themselves. Sure. Typically. But right. we, we can do, uh, we do a reporting sexual assault exam, and that is where the victim is wanting to move through the judicial system. They are wanting to file charges. But we can also do a non-reporting sexual assault exam, and that is where the victim, they want that evidence collected, but they are not ready to file um, a complaint with law enforcement. And uh, so we go through the same process, and then that evidence is shipped to a different lab where it is stored for five years to give that victim time to decide okay. if they want to move forward or not. Okay. Okay. So 
Um, it's also kind of important to point out that when you go do an exam, there's a, also a possibility that a, a sexual assault advocate may be there as well. I know uh, we have advocate training uh, here at the agency, and we have advocates on staff, and advocates can also be volunteers. So there may be someone else with you just to, uh, well, you do the exam, but the advocate's role, I guess, is just to be more of a supportive role, I guess, for the survivor. Advocates are just wonderful, and they help the victim um, tremendously. And so what happens usually with the process is when when that call comes in, mm -hmm. we set up for the entire team to come out. So we will have the victim. We'll have law enforcement, hopefully. Um, we will have the SANE nurse who is on call and also the advocate who is on call. So not only is that advocate there to provide that support, but they're also there to give information um, about the Family Crisis Center and all of the services that we can offer this victim to help them heal from the trauma. Mm -hmm. Okay. Okay. So I'm going to address the elephant in the room here, I guess. What takes place when you do a SANE exam? What, what do you do? I mean, what, what is it that, what is a SANE exam? Okay. Um, it is a medical forensic exam performed by a SANE nurse. And our nurses are all specifically trained to care for the victim of sexual assault. So we are trauma-informed. Uh, we, we know, you know, how to speak to this client and, you know, how to help them through this process. So the parts of a sexual assault exam, number one would be that history and the history is for the purpose of the diagnosis and treatment. You also have a head-to-toe assessment for trauma. You will have an anogenital exam assessment for trauma. We will collect evidence as indicated by the history. And we are also trained to present that evidence in court. So um, basically, they're coming in. We're going to see what has happened. We are using that information to guide the exam to tell us what evidence may need to be collected. And um, at the end of it all, we sign it over to law enforcement and uh, it's sent to a lab. And if it's a non-reporting, then we, we send that to a different lab. Okay. So, you know, in the movies and on TV, you always hear, and I I don't know, I always hate to, to say it like this, but I guess it, it's your job to administer, is it a rape kit? I don't know why I hate that word. It's, it just sounds so crass for some reason, and it, and it may not be, but is that basically what what it is? Well, we do call it an evidence collection kit because when you think of rape, you're only thinking of one thing, and sexual sure. assault actually involves many other acts um, upon a victim. Right. And um, But, yes, I guess some people might refer to it as a rape kit, but we do call that the uh, sexual assault kit or evidence collection kit. And um, and basically, you know, that's that's what mm -hmm. we're doing. We're looking for any type of injury, okay. any type of DNA that we might find. Sure. You know, I, and I think I may have mentioned this to you. It, it was a couple of years ago, two or three years ago. I guess two, a couple of years ago I went to – it was that time when I had to actually go in person to DPS to renew my driver's license. Uh, and when I was filling out the form, they have you list all these possible things that you can allocate money towards. Um, 
I guess part of the fees, I guess, of whatever that you paid to, to get, get, get your driver's license. And one of them was, they specifically mentioned the evidence kits. So if people, you know, keep that in mind, I guess, that uh, your money can go towards something like that when you go to renew your driver's license. I just thought that was really interesting. I didn't know that. Well, that... let me let me explain that. So, okay. um, <laughs> across our country, we have had a huge backlog of evidence collection kits that were not being processed. Um, and so what happens is that DNA is not entered into any type of database to where we can look to even see if we have maybe a, a serial rapist or um, also to help with the DNA that might be needed for evidence whenever okay. you're moving through the court system. And um, so not just here in Texas, but across the nation. <clears throat> Excuse me. Sure. But Texas is um, or has been a leader um, in trying to work through the backlog of kits and to get them all tested. And um, I have spoken with uh, law enforcement recently, and um, the process that was um, put into action last September um, is definitely making a difference. Um, our sexual assault kits now, <clears throat> excuse me, the sexual assault kits are put into the kit tracking system. So every time we have a, a case, I will enter that um, specific number into the database with the state. And that keeps everyone accountable. So we have a week to get it to law enforcement or they have a week to get it from us. And they have like 30 days to get it to the lab. And the lab has 90 days to get it back to them. And um, so law enforcement has told me that they are excited about that. Um, it used to take three years or more to even get, um, if ever, that DNA evidence back. And now they are receiving it within that time frame. And so this is helping these cases okay. um, to be able to move forward. Okay. Mm -hmm. All right. Um, you know, you see, I'm sure all different kinds of, of people when you, when you do the exam, I'm sure there's some people who are very willing to undergo the exam. And I would guess there's probably some folks that are very reluctant to, you know, they've already been through an assault and to have somebody do a physical exam must be um, so stressful and so uh, so hard on someone. I love that you're bringing this up because I actually get this question a lot. And the reality is the SANE exam is not traumatic. We work very hard to make sure that the process goes very smoothly. Um, we are there to support the victim. Uh-huh. It can actually be a healing um, process for them okay. to where they know that um, someone has checked them over. They know that their body is going to be okay. And um, and that's like the first step in in recovery okay. over the event that, is, that has happened. So um, I, I wouldn't say that it... Uh, traumatizes them at all. I would say that it is really and truly the opposite. And no one is ever forced to go through that process. 
they have the option at any time to say, no, I, I don't want right. to do that, or I'm ready to stop. I don't sure. want to move sure. forward. So um, they have that right, and they have that control over what is happening to them. Mm-hmm. Okay. How, well, I guess I was thinking of, of something else, but I'll, we may go back to that in a little bit later. Can you tell me, is there a rough estimate that you can tell me about how many exams do you do in a week? I mean, I don't know if that's a legitimate uh, time frame, a week or a month might be better. I don't know. But how often do you have to, have to do this exam? There is um, no way to predict yeah. how the day or the week is going to go. There are right. days when I do multiple exams in a day. Um, there are days when I don't do any exams. And so it varies, it varies sure. greatly. Yeah. It's just sometimes it's just crazy and you can't catch up. And then sometimes we don't really have anything coming in. So, you know, and when I do my prevention work, I always stress to everyone that they know that men can be victims of sexual assault as as well as women. Absolutely. And how often do you see men uh, or is the procedure pretty similar? And how, 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 how does a man react to, the trauma of the assault. I'm sure, it, I don't know if it's any different than, than a woman, but do you see very many men and have to do this for men? We do see men, um, definitely fewer men than women. Sure. I would say that the process is still going to be the same. We're still going to um, go through the history and, and the assessments and uh, collect that evidence uh, I do think sometimes maybe it is harder for men to come forward um, just because, I don't know, I think they may feel like they should have been able mm-hmm. to stop stop the assault. Um, and sometimes women feel like they should have been able to stop the assault. And that can lead to feelings of guilt. Um, and we don't want that. Right. So um, absolutely all the same services are available. Um, they are not based off gender. Mm-hmm. So um, we are there for them. Okay. And um, something else that you do, you know, we've been talking about the SANE exams, but I've been to, and, and I still want to one day, I want to go through one of your trainings that you do for law enforcement just to, just to see what that's about. I think that may help me do what I do as far as, you know, in my, in my prevention work. Uh, but you also talk to schools uh about stds as well and you you have these fun little props that you use (laughs) (laughs) and how is that uh what tell us if you don't mind let's just uh, briefly just kind of touch on that what do you do uh when you talk to students or to the public about stds um, I would say that the presentations and the trainings that I do out in the community are probably one of my favorite things that I get to do. I, when I first started here, I remember telling Glenna that I do not want to speak in public. Like, do not <laughs> sign me up. 
And that did not last very long. <laughs> and uh, in reality, I I do presentations pretty frequently, and I yeah. love them. Um, uh, I usually bring a team of other people with me because we all have our specialties. And uh, we'll go, go over things like uh, child child abuse, sexual assault, domestic violence, human trafficking, strangulation, and sexually transmitted infections. Uh, we do go to schools. We go to civic organizations. Uh, we do um, this with the cadets at Angelina College, and we also with uh, different law enforcement agencies within our area. Um, yes, and I do have those toys. Stuart, thank you for bringing that up. But uh, one of the girls from Harold's house went to Austin for a training, and, and she saw these stuffed animals that are made up of, like, I have gonorrhea, chlamydia, herpes, HIV, all these different things. And um, they're kind of a blowed-up version of what you would see under the microscope in a stuffed toy. And so, yes, we do take those, and it is a lot of fun to throw it out into the crowd right. um, and have them stand <laughs> up and say, oh, yes, I've caught chlamydia or I've caught gonorrhea. Um, and it's a little stuffed little animal or whatever that mm-hmm. represents it that does. disease. Right? And it helps us to open up those conversations because people do not want to talk about infections that are within the anogenital area. Well, and that's one thing. And I was wanting to ask you, whenever you address, let's say, like the cadets at the police academy, do you find that a lot of them don't want to look you in the eye when you start talking about things like this? Is there is there a level of embarrassment uh, that goes around well, the room? There is, I will say. And even at um, schools, we went around to all the area um, school administration in Angelina County um, not very long ago, and, um, and people are embarrassed to stand up and say, oh, yeah, I caught herpes right. or I caught yeah. uh, gonorrhea. But it opens up the conversation. What if you were a victim of sexual assault and you um, got one of these infections, you know, and this was not your choice and you don't come forward and you don't tell anybody that you're struggling with maybe symptoms um, or you're not tested because you don't realize you should be tested. And so you don't want to say anything because you're embarrassed to talk about it. Um, And that can be very limiting towards treatment. So I love having these conversations. We need to talk about it. You know, if you're going to go to Walmart and nobody wears a mask, are you at risk for COVID? Yes. So if you are sexually assaulted or you are having unprotected sex, are you at risk for catching a sexually transmitted infection? Yes, Mm -hmm. absolutely. So um, it just helps to open up that conversation. And and we all laugh and we have a good time with it, but, um, but it's really about education. Teens and, and young adults today, as, as tech-savvy as a lot of them are, and I don't know if this is even related or not, are STDs still a, as big of a problem as they were, let's say, when, when we were in school, you know? Uh, or, or kids. Are you trying to say our age there, Stuart? I, I'm trying to. <laughs> I'm trying to very daintily step around well, I don't it. Know. <laughs> but, uh, I mean, but you know, are, are they? Uh, I guess are they as uh, knowledgeable today? And is it still as big of a problem as it was, say, twenty, thirty years ago? 
Well, first of all, we do call them sexually transmitted infections because many of those we can cure with an antibiotic. Okay. Um, so the term STD we don't use as much anymore, but many people that it's still the term that they are going to use. Um, and they are, they are a huge problem for our young people. So one in four uh, young people will have an STI by the time that they're 25. Uh, we also know that um, HIV is making a rise in, in our young people ages 15 to 24. And, and the reason is that young people, they are having unprotected sex. We are not talking to them about prevention. Okay. Um, and they're not being tested. And, um, and so they're spreading these things. And uh, you know, we definitely let them know that the only 100% way is going to be abstinence, right? Um, but that if you do decide that that is something that you want to do, you want to use protection. Um, and then when we look at the sexual assault side, you don't really get a choice. You've been exposed to things right. um, you know, against your will. And um, they need assistance in how to get tested and how to be safe. And I'm sure that's a concern for someone who's been assaulted is, you know, it's it's traumatic enough being assaulted. But then on top of that, thinking, well, do I now do I have a disease or an infection? Absolutely. It is a huge concern. And sometimes that may be what brings someone to go ahead and come in and talk to us. We work closely with the Angelina County and Cities Health District. Um, they do help us with the testing for the ones who have been sexually assaulted. So we make those referrals to them. Um, they are able to test and treat for a very minimal fee because of their grant funding. But they are mm -hmm. a huge resource in our area. Okay. Uh, I, I've asked this, this question to a lot of people who do direct care services uh, with the agency, you know, I always kind of joke a little bit with Kim. Anytime you see her and she comes into this office, she is smiling and she is laughing and she always has, you always have such a good attitude and you always, you're just so bubbly. And, and I'm thinking, you know, this lady deals with some heavy stuff. What do you do at the end of the day to... I guess separate yourself from the, the 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 traumatic things that you may have encountered during the day that day, uh, or how do you practice self care? Like, what do you do to um, keep that from just building up and building up and affecting your mental health? Well, I have multiple things. Number one, I will say that. You know, I have a strong faith in God, and I, I really just let all of that go and uh, give that to Him. I also have a wonderful husband who is extremely supportive, and um, he's wonderful. And I enjoy being outside. I like to go home sometimes after a bad day, and uh, I may go walk my dog or, um, you know, mess with my horses. And yeah. um, those kind of things are very therapeutic to me, just being out in nature and and um, and sometimes that's when I'm having my conversations with God. And it's not that these things don't affect me. I mean, sometimes I cry and sometimes I'm angry. And um, and then I have to let that go. I, people ask me, how how do you do your job? And, um, you know, the, I don't think I could do that or whatever. But, you know, really, I love my job. I feel like 
I am exactly where I'm supposed to be. I am on the healing side of the trauma, right? The trauma's already happened, and I'm there to kind of help that victim, you know, move forward and yeah. on the caring side. So I love that. I, I love what I do. I work with um, amazing, caring, supportive people at Family Crisis Center and at Harold's House. And so my, my work team is huge to me and very supportive. And so... I guess that's it. You know, that's okay. <laughs> that's a lot. No, but, yeah. no, no, that's 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 great. So, when little Kim was trying to figure out what she wanted to do when she grew up, and you decided you wanted to be a nurse, did you ever think what got you interested into this part of nursing? Because you know, nursing is such a there's such a it's a there's such a huge gamut that. Uh, that you can <laughs> that you can do uh, in 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 the nursing field. What made you decide to do what you do? Well, that that's a good question. I I have tried many areas of nursing, and I think that's what's so wonderful about nursing is there are so many areas of practice that are available to you. But I I I don't know. I really just feel like. When the timing was right, I was ready for a change, and really, I just kind of opened it up to God and said, "Okay, I'm ready. Now, what what are we going to do next?" Yeah. And um, it's always been a field that I was just kind of interested in, and um, He just opened all the doors, and um, really, that's how I'm here today. <laughs> and how long how, how long have you been with doing this for the Family Crisis Center? Five years. Oh, okay. So not. Yeah, really. In the grand I, yeah. scheme of things, not very long. Yeah, I guess. okay. I've, I've been a nurse since 1993, so for 27 years. So I've okay. definitely been in all kinds of areas, but but yeah, it feels like I've been here a hundred years, <laughs> but really, it's only five okay. years. So um, it's, all right, it's been a ride for sure. <laughs> all right. Well, Kim, thanks. I appreciate this time. And uh, I may have you back in the future if we decide to dig deeper in a, a specific area. I'd love, I'd love to have you back to talk more, but thanks a lot. Okay. Well, thank you for having me. I did enjoy, enjoy being here today. <laughs> uh, well, and if you have any questions or comments about this episode, we do have an email address. Of course, that is conversationsandconnections at FCCET.com. And if you feel like you need our services... Um, for any for any particular reason, we do have a a toll free hotline that is answered twenty four hours a day, seven days a week. That number is one eight hundred eight two eight seventy two thirty three. That's one eight hundred eight two eight seventy two thirty three. And as always, remember be the voice, and if not for you, for someone else.